0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Welcome to a spotlight of some of our favourite episodes of 2022. We'll be back with a summer series of special episodes on January 2nd and regular episodes from January 16. Seven months ago, Anthony Albanese's Labour broke almost 10 years of coalition rule. Labour's celebrations were large and loud, and 7am was there to record the moment. Over the course of the night, we spoke with our reporter, Karen Middleton, incoming minister, Tony Burke, and at the end of the night, we got one quick question with the newly elected prime minister. Today, we return to Labour's election night victory. Arrived in the main room, the arena. There's a few hundred people in here, journalists and staffers, and results have just started to come through. Um, some early seats are being called, but there's nothing yet that really gives it an indication um, of which way this is going to go.
1: All of the polls are suggesting that this is the night that Labor will seize power, but none of them are quite believing it. They are so... Okay, we're an hour into counting, Anthony, so what's the state of play?
2: Uh, Well, the state of play is we're not getting a clear picture at the moment. If there was going to be a 4.5% swing, we're not seeing it yet. Okay. That doesn't mean there isn't going to be a swing, it just means we're not seeing it yet.
0: Well, we've only got 1.7% of the vote, so, you know, it's very early days. Thank you. Inside the hall, there's a lot of journalists, and I go looking for Karen Middleton in the crowd. She's sending texts, she's taking calls, and she's trying to find out what party strategists are making of these early results so far. Okay, so Karen Middleton, it's now almost eight Mm
1: o'clock. We're starting to see results come through. Talk me through what we're seeing. So it's a mixed bag. Um, it's still only an early count in some seats, and it was always going to be a really mixed result. But I think uh, we're here at the at the Labor Party um, event, and I think they're starting to dare to be a bit more confident. They were terribly nervous. I think people walking around. Someone actually said to me they had PTSD after 2019 with what happened with the opinion polls so they didn't dare to think they were actually going to win and they're now looking more confident we're seeing an early swing against Peter Dutton in the seat of Dixon in Queensland which was a big surprise so we haven't heard anything much yet from the seats in Victoria, so we don't know about Josh Frydenberg. It would be pretty amazing if the Liberal Party lost Peter Dutton and Josh Frydenberg. The two leadership and two leadership contenders. So at this point, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some mixed results, and I think we will see some wild card things. So there are a lot of things we should say it's a bit unclear. Yeah. But I would say this is a happier party here at the Labor event this time this year than it was this time in twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, the mood is definitely excited and hopeful, I would say, in that room.
1: Yeah, I think I think it as I said, I think they're daring to dream which they weren't prepared to do right at the beginning. Great, we'll check back in with you in another hour or two. See sure. how it's all going. Thanks no Karen.
0: So we're a few hours in now and the room is filling out, there's lots of journalists, lots of staffers, the mood is excited I would say at this point. It looks like it's a good night for Labour, seats are going in their favour as well as the Greens, we've just seen Adam Band give his speech um, after winning his seat in Melbourne and also picking up um, the seat of Griffiths in Queensland as well for the Greens.
2: Um, there's, there's a reason that people are saying the climate crisis is something they want action on. We've just had three years of uh, droughts and then
0: fires and our floods and then floods again. And people can see it, that this is happening and it's unfolding. And I think increasingly what we're seeing is that that cuts across all voting persuasions, it cuts across all demographics. People know it's happening and they want action on it. And where we way too soon to call. No one really knows what's going to happen, but there is a lot of excitement and a lot of hope and a lot of optimism um, for a Labor win. Uh, and I find Karen again. It's about 10 minutes to nine, and it seems like the story of the night
1: is starting to come into focus. The story that's emerging is a story about the environment, actually, and about animosity or frustration with major parties. So you're seeing big swings to the Greens, and you're seeing big swings to the teal independence. Yeah. So what we're seeing, in particularly in Queensland, where there aren't any teal seats, and in terms of the overall picture, at this point in the night, it's looking like a minority Labour government with a swag of teals and some Greens in the middle. So you look at the faces of some of the Liberal commentators on television news. I just saw Michael Kroger's face on Sky News looking ashen. Uh, I think Everyone is saying the coalition can't form a majority government now, and you would have to say with that kind of a crossbench, it's pretty hard for them to to form a minority government, the, the most likely.
2: So right now, the Labor Party have picked up what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven seats. Remember, they need a net gain of seven seats to form a majority government. We can't say they've got there yet because of these ones that are still in doubt that could offset these gains. But, boy, Labor would be feeling increasingly comfortable about getting to a majority when you look at that. Chisholm, Boothby, Higgins... I think the, uh, the wheel is turning, but the hamster is dead. So um, <laughs> I just can't see how the electoral math will, will add up for the Coalition at the moment. And um, WA has proven to be... Uh, as bad as the rest of the country. Even a, even the prospect of a minority government's gone now, do you think, for the coalition? I'd say so, yep. yep. Tony?
0: So at this stage of the night, Labor supporters are becoming pretty exuberant. You can tell that they're, they're sensing a victory. But not everything is good news for the party. There are some seats that Labor is in danger of, of losing as well, seats like Fowler. And this was a pretty safe Labor seat. The party held it on a 14% margin. But Now, it's starting to look like the Labor candidate, Christina Keneally, might have actually lost the seat.
2: Let's have a look at the seat of Fowler. I know that's been a big conversation point. So, Christina Keneally coming in from outside the electorate. No-one from the Labor Party is giving away Fowler at the moment, but it's a concern. It's certainly a concern...
0: Labor frontbencher Tony Burke is among some of the party figures who've started to join the party. So, I want to ask him what signal these results are sending.
2: We're not there yet, like some of the broadcasters have declared the outcome before it's quite there. But there's definitely momentum. It's very difficult to see how Scott Morrison remains Prime Minister. And our thoughts right now, we're desperately hoping to just get to that precipice where we start implementing the things we've been talking about.
0: And it looks like Christina really might lose Percy. that'll be a oh huge fourteen percent.
2: Yeah, if that happens it's a huge hit to the party. A huge hit. Kristina um, uh, is someone who we really wanted on the front bench. It's not over there yet, but definitely there's, there's some clear expectations that are being made by the community there. the same position as... OK, so it looks
0: like Monique Ryan has taken Josh Frydenberg's seat. Josh Frydenberg is out. Wow.
1: is Josh
0: That's incredible, really. The Treasurer has lost his seat. Seats are falling quickly now. So I find Karen Middleton again to talk about what's happening.
1: Okay, so things are starting to move a bit more quickly, it seems. Yes, I think... I'm I'm losing my voice now from shouting, sorry. (laughs) Uh, I think at the moment it's still looking like a Labor minority government, but there are some of the hardheads who are saying they think there's still an outside chance of majority government. We are seeing a whole lot of really wild results here. Other than what we spoke about, which is the climate, environment message and the anti-major party message, I think there's a message of not taking your community for granted, <gasps> whatever your community is. So I know there was a... Prime Minister, well, Scott Morrison has uh, arrived here at uh, Liberal HQ. We are waiting for him to come out from that door just behind me. His staff members have uh, filed into the room.
0: Uh, a lot of them have- Okay, oh, so... so- Scott
2: Morrison is
1: about to make his speech. Here we go. Prime Minister, is there anything you want to say?
2: You're
0: live on Tonight, I've spoken to the leader of the opposition and the incoming prime minister, Anthony Albanese, and I've congratulated him on his election victory this evening. I, as leader, take responsibility for the wins and the losses. That is the burden and that is the responsibility of leadership. And as a result, I will be handing over the leadership at the next party room meeting to ensure that the party can be taken forward under new leadership, which is the appropriate thing to do. Okay, so it's just gone 11 o'clock. Scott Morrison has conceded defeat. And now we're all just waiting for Anthony Albanese to arrive, to take to the stage to make his first ever speech as Prime Minister of Australia. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read POST, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters.
1: For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending.
2: Please welcome to the stage the man set to be the 31st Prime Minister of Australia. Tonight, the Australian people have voted for change. I am humbled by this victory, and I'm honoured to be given the opportunity to serve as the 31st Prime Minister of Australia.
0: We've we've heard Scott Morrison concede and we've now seen Anthony Albanese take to the stage and claim victory as Australia's 31st Prime Minister. Um, tell me what you thought of the speech.
1: I thought it was a good speech. I thought it was a well-crafted and well-delivered speech. I thought it was a speech with great heart, actually, and that was a real theme in the speech, that that we can be a better country, that can we, be our, we can be our best selves, that we can be a nation of opportunity for everyone. So I think
2: there was heart and inclusion. And on behalf of the Australian Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full. And he opened the speech with a reference to the Uluru
1: Statement from the Heart and a pledge to implement that in full, which I think was very important and says to Australia's Indigenous people, we're putting you first. Mm. A huge moment
0: for the Labor Party and also very clearly a huge moment for Anthony Albanese. Personally, you could see him on stage get quite emotional at times, particularly when referencing his mother, which he did a few times as
2: well. It says a lot about our great country, that the son of a single mum who was a disability pensioner, who grew up in public housing down the road in Camperdown, can stand before you tonight as Australia's Prime Minister. That's right. I mean, she's the most important person in his life. My mother dreamt of a better life for me. And I hope that my journey in life inspires Australians to reach for the stars. She's no longer with us. In fact,
1: in four days time, it'll be 20 years since she died. He's acutely conscious of that anniversary. And it was always going to be us that he would acknowledge her from that stage if he won
2: tonight. And uh, I hope there are families in public housing watching this tonight. Because I want every parent to be able to tell their child, no matter where you live or where you come from, in Australia the doors of opportunity are open to us all. And he considers that everything he
1: is is due to the hard work and sacrifice and love of his mum and he wants other people to have the same chance and to, to be aware that it's possible in this country. So he talked about the, the door of opportunity being open and, and in fact getting wider and that he he puts down completely in his own life and everything he's achieved to to the um as I said, the love and sacrifice of of Mary-Anne, his mum.
0: Um, And so in that speech, he he spoke a bit about his priorities now that he is the Prime Minister, and one of those first actions is going to be actually leaving the country to go to the Quad meeting. Um, But tell me a a bit about that and and other things that we should be expecting
1: um, him to do straight away. He made it clear that he wants his economic team working straight away, working from Monday. They'll be sworn in on Monday. I think he's acutely aware of the state of the economy and the situation many people find themselves in with the cost of living.
2: During this campaign, I have put forward a positive, clear plan for a better future for our country. And I have shared the two principles that will drive a government that I lead. No one left behind because we should always look after the disadvantaged and the vulnerable. But also no one held back because we should always support aspiration and opportunity.
1: So he'll be looking at how um, they can reshape the economy to alleviate some of those burdens on people. So I think that will be very important to him. I think he's aware of security as well. He knows that Labor reputationally, historically, is not the party of national security. So I think this Quad meeting is, is very important to him to make a statement that he is the new Prime Minister and that he does have a group on national security and that he does have the nation's... Uh, secure future in mind. He's been talking about this Quad meeting for some time, about meeting with the leaders of the of India, Japan and the United States. So I think he sees that as an important marker for himself as a new Prime Minister and a Prime Minister with credentials that he wants to develop on on security as well as economic matters and the kind of social issues and welfare and heart issues that we'd better know the Labor Party
2: for.
0: And votes are still being counted. We still don't know exactly which seats are going to go which way, but what does this result mean more broadly for the Liberal Party, Karen?
1: Oh, it's a terrible result for the Liberal Party. I mean, it's it's been described to me as a bloodbath in in Victoria and Western Australia in particular. Uh, Those are the two pivotal states, really, Um, Western Australia is so strong for Labor, much stronger than any of us expected, I think, that it could well deliver a majority government. There's no doubt, as we know, that, that, that we are a Labor government of some form. Um, and So I think that it's, it's a huge result for the Liberals. It looks like Peter Dutton will be returned, so he may be the logical next choice as leader. Uh, Scott Morrison has already said he won't be a candidate. He's conceded that already. So there's a lot of soul-searching to be done in the Liberal Party. I think there'll be a reckoning about the the divergence of left and right and of the political game-playing that's gone on, uh, whether the strategies were right, whether the presidential-style campaign was right. And what is the future for the Liberal Party? What do they actually believe? That's that's something they really have to reconcile within themselves because it hasn't been clear, I think, for some time. And there they was talk about being a broad church, but really you've got to actually live that and incorporate, use, uh, collect policies that incorporates the, the whole breadth of that church. And they, they haven't done it successfully, and I think that's what we've seen tonight. Mm.
0: And so the era of Scott Morrison is over. I mean, he's, he's staying
1: uh, as a local member, but his political <laughs> ambition It will be unusual if he stays for a long time. Uh, most ex-Prime Ministers don't stick around in Parliament for a while, uh, for, for a long while. They'll stay for a bit and then there'll be a by election. so I would expect that that would be the same with Scott Morrison. Um, He might prove me wrong, but usually it's the ones who think they're going to come back that will stick around, and I can't see that happening with Scott Morrison. So I would think that he will um, disappear at some point into the future. I think the other thing that's really a big issue that we've touched on earlier but is uh, the rise of the Greens and the protest vote with Teals and, and Greens. And I think that's, you know, there's there's a number of messages there. There's an anti-major party message which both the Liberal and Labor parties need to look at. There's a pro-climate action, pro-environment message that's really important that people are um, that people are sending to political parties generally with the election of Teals and Greens. Um, and I think that the Labor Party in particular is going to have to listen. And there's a message about listening to your community. You know, you look at the people who've been shocked defeats tonight, they are in circumstances where they weren't listening to their community. Whatever that community is, and I really think there's a very strong message there from the Australian people, don't take us for granted. We know what we think and we want you to listen and represent our views faithfully. And I think that's a real lesson for our democracy and our politics from this election result tonight. Absolutely,
0: The night is ending and everyone is starting to leave the hall. We've already packed up our gear and we're waiting out the front. But then I get word that Anthony Albanese actually returned back to the hall. He's out there walking the floor and shaking hands with the party faithful who've stayed around. And so I go back in and that's when I get the chance to ask Anthony Albanese one quick question.
2: Anthony, how are you feeling? Hey. How are you feeling? Has it sunk in? Okay. Well, it's a a big moment in my life, but it's also a big moment for Australia when the government changes and I hope to uh, implement the plans that I've put forward for a better future.
1: Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen.